So I'm going to speak from some passages in the book of Hebrews, and if you're uh, not familiar with reading the Bible, then you might not know that the book of Hebrews is in the New Testament. And although we call it a book in the Bible, it, it was actually a letter. It was a, a letter written to a bunch of Jewish people who had just become Christians and were being persecuted for their faith. And one thing I noticed when I was reading the book of Hebrews is just how often sentences begin with the two words, let us. That, that phrase, let us. So, for instance, there's, um, let us throw off everything that hinders. That's one. Or another is, let us run with perseverance, fixing our eyes on Jesus. And there's actually 12 of these statements. And these statements, to use the Bible's own language, they're called exhortations. Uh, and it's probably not a word that you tend to use all that often, exhortations. You know, it's hard to imagine slipping it into a conversation with somebody across the till. But uh, what it means is really significant because it, it means comfort. It can be translated encouragement or comfort. So these exhortations, these statements in Hebrews, they're meant to bring us comfort. Uh, and it's not a kind of soft kind of comfort. It's not like God's way of, you know, chucking us a chocolate bar if we're feeling sad. It's actually more gives us the sense of um, God coming alongside us when we feel weak and helping us to keep going. You know, it's the same word that Jesus uses in John 14 for the Holy Spirit. He says the comforter, the Holy Spirit. It's the same word. So you could imagine it a bit like this. I don't know if you've seen the film Hacksaw Ridge. It's this true story of an American conscientious objector who uh, fights without a weapon in World War II, and he's a medic in the military. And on one particular bloody battle, he saves from the battleground 75 wounded soldiers who would have otherwise kind of bled out and died. And what Desmond Doss, this guy, does is uh, when he sees one of these wounded soldiers, he kind of goes out at nighttime uh, when he could die. And he, um, he, he gets alongside these, these wounded soldiers and he throws them over his shoulder and then he just legs it. He runs them to safety. And so these exhortations, that, that's the kind of comfort it gives us. It's God coming alongside us. It's strengthening us. It's calling us to persevere. And, and he's saying, you know, if, if you can't get up, I'll carry you. That's what these statements do. And so we're going to have just a look at these, a few of these letter statements, a few of these exhortations, some of these get on your feet, let me carry you sort of statements in Hebrews. And we'll look at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 22 to 25, and hopefully it will come up on the screens. So it says this, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So we're going to have a look at these exhortations, these three letters statements. And if you don't feel comforted and encouraged by the end of it, something's gone wrong, and you can blame me, okay? So the first exhortation, the first letter statement, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings. 
So what kind of comfort, what kind of encouragement does this statement give us? How does it call us to persevere? Well, we can be encouraged today because we have access to God. You know, we can draw near to him, you know, that he drew near to us, that we can draw near to him. And as we do that, as we draw near to him, live in a relationship with him, that we can have the full assurance that faith brings. That means that we can be confident in his presence. And I know if if you've been a Christian for a little while, it's easy to lose the wonder of this. It's easy to go through the motions, but actually it's important to remember that our story with God, it was actually one of separation. You know, there was a barrier between us. There was sin that got in the way, but Jesus on the cross, he's brought us near that we can draw near because of what the cross has done. I don't know what frustrates you most in life. I know something that's right at the top of my list is being on hold to customer services when you're on the phone. And the kind of the call starts and you're on hold for about 45 minutes and you're listening to this weird kind of crackly jazz music. And then every five minutes or so, the kind of monotone voice says that your call's really important to us, uh, that you could visit our website, which is all kind of code for they don't actually care about your call and they hope you'll hang up really soon. And then after a little while, like a human being actually picks up the phone and you're like, it lasts. And then they just redirect you to a colleague and the cycle starts all over again. And it's so frustrating. But you know, when it comes to drawing near to God, we have access to him. He's done the hard bit on the cross. You know, all that we have to do is say yes. You know, it's not access denied. You know, you're not put on hold. You can draw near to God today and you can be comforted by that. And what's interesting is that as we draw near, we can be confident. You know, as we stand in his presence, you know, what we've been doing in worship this morning, we can have the full assurance that faith brings. Not that I've found myself in this situation, but if you ever meet members of the royal family, there's a certain kind of etiquette or protocol that you're meant to follow. And I was reading, there was this one story of Prince Philip. He was driving the, the Queen and the Obamas to Windsor Castle. And uh, what happened was, I mean, this was a really big deal because the Obamas, they'd never been driven in a car that wasn't by their kind of secret service or agents. Every little detail was planned. And the plan was that Barack Obama, the president, would sit in the back seat with the Queen because they're the most important people. And then Michelle Obama, who's important but slightly less important in that situation, would sit in the front with Prince Philip, who was driving. And so as they were kind of stepping into the Range Rover, the Queen just kind of gestured to Michelle Obama, you know, why don't you sit in the back seat and she was like thrown she like that's not what the plan was that's not what she'd been briefed and then the queen she picked up on her hesitation and she said apparently did they give you some rule about this this rubbish just sit wherever you want you know did do you know that when you're in the presence of the king of kings when you're in the throne room of heaven you can have confidence Not confidence in your own merits, but confidence in the love of God. That, you know, that's what the cross has done, that all of that distance that separated us, the mess, the brokenness, the stuff that got in the way, it was dealt with on the cross, that we can draw near and that we can be confident, the full assurance that faith brings. So let's look at this next exhortation. It's verse... 23, and we can read this. 
Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. So this next exhortation, you know, what comfort can we take here? How does this statement, as it were, kind of lift us out of the wreckage of our lives? How does God bring us comfort? Uh, and and this, this exhortation, it's really, it's a summoning to hope. It's to hold unswervingly to hope. You know, all of the hope that we have in Jesus, the fact that we have relationship with him, the fact that he's promised to never leave us nor forsake us, the fact that he loves us, you know, this hope, we hold on to it. We hold unswervingly to it. And as we do that, we know that he's faithful, you know, the only reason we can do that is because he's promised to be faithful. That's what the verse says. So let's just look at that holding unswervingly, or some translations say hold fast. Or the message version of the Bible says this, let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. Well, it would be difficult to hold on to something if you're not really sure what you're meant to be reaching for. You know, so what is Christian hope? It'd be like trying to catch a tennis ball blindfolded, okay? But Christian hope, one of the best definitions I've heard of it is the joyful anticipation of good. It's the joyful anticipation of good that we joyfully expect good things from God because we believe that he's good. That's what hope is. And we believe that his goodness will be in this life and the next that we hope it. And um, somebody once said that Jesus' disciples, or sorry, Jesus promised his disciples three things, that they'd be uh, absurdly happy, completely fearless, and in constant trouble. And I don't know if you're any of those three this morning, but you know, what that says is that Christian hope is it's realistic about all of the blessings, the multitude of blessings that we have in Jesus Christ, but also of the hard things. You know, that hope isn't in denial about stuff that's tough. Actually, we dig our claws in even more when life is tricky. You know, but even despite the challenges or because of the challenges that, that we're invited to hold on to hope. We're invited into a great and a living hope. I heard somebody share a beautiful story recently. So this person, they've got a friend who's a hospital chaplain. So they go into hospitals and chat with people and pray with them and share their faith where they can. And this hospital chaplain, they were going into this one hospital and they would walk past this guy's bed. And every time the chaplain would walk by, this guy in the bed would just kind of give him a rude gesture. I don't want to do that rude gesture on the live stream, but it means holding up a few fingers in a certain way, and it means a really naughty thing, okay? And so every time this guy would walk past, you know, he'd just get sweared at. And there was this one time when the chaplain walked by, and this guy in the bed just said, Oi, can I chat to you? So the chaplain went over to this guy, and uh, the guy said to the chaplain, You know, what's that white thing around your neck? And he was talking about the dog collar. And so this chaplain just started explaining, uh, you know, the fact that God loves him, the fact that there's forgiveness of sins and all of the basic stuff of the gospel. And, you know, said, you know, you can even pray to God. And so this uh, guy said, well, if you can pray to God, how do you do that? How do you pray to God? And so the chaplain was sat in a chair and it was next to this guy's bed and he got out of the chair and he pointed at the empty chair and he said, imagine that Jesus is sat there. 
And Jesus is just permanently loving you. You know, you can say anything that you want to him. He's just listening to you. You can just keep the conversation going. And so the chaplain asked him, so what would you say to Jesus sat in the chair? And so the guy said, well, to be honest, I'd probably say that I feel a bit scared. You know, that I've messed up my life a bit. And so they had this great conversation and then the chaplain left. And then the chaplain came back some time later and he went into the same hospital. He went to this guy's bed and saw that it was empty. And so he went to the uh, staff team at the hospital and asked where this guy had gone. And the nurse had told him that a couple of days later he died. But the nurse did say, you know, when you left, he seemed so happy. He was kind of bouncing in his bed and he kept telling us about God and Jesus and the chair and that you can pray to him and all of this stuff. And so the chaplain was obviously pretty excited by that. And as the chaplain began to leave, the nurse just said this, you know, just before you go, I ought to tell you something. I feel a bit weird saying it, but when we found him the next morning, you know, after he died, he was in his bed, but he was leaning out of it. His hips were in the bed, but he'd drawn this chair near to him, and his chest was on the chair, and his arms were just wrapped around the back of the chair. And he died like that. And so the chaplain just began to weep because he realized this guy had got what we so struggle to understand as Christians, is that Christianity is about leaning the weight of your life on Jesus. You know, when we talk about holding unswervingly to hope, it's that Jesus is the hope. Jesus Christ is the hope, and we hold unswervingly to him. We hold fast to him. That's what it's about. And in this verse, you know, it talks about holding unswervingly to hope, holding on to Jesus, but the way that we do that is knowing he's faithful. If we read the verse again, it says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. I played football growing up when I was younger and I was a center back, I played in defense and there was this one player on the team called Harry and Harry was a really tall guy, which meant he was a great goalkeeper. And so kind of when the other team took a shot on goal, he'd just make the most unbelievable saves. And you kind of think, how on earth has Harry done that? And I got so confident that Harry would save anything that was put at his net that, you know, the opponent would go through the line of the defense and I just wouldn't even bother tracking them back because I just so knew that Harry was going to save the shot. Came as no surprise, I was dropped from the team. But... <laughs> You know, the point is, when you've seen Harry save shot after shot after shot, you're just confident. You know, you see somebody line up for a penalty or a free kick, and you're not bothered. You know, Harry's in goal. He's going to save the shot. And when it comes to holding unswervingly to hope, you know, it's not our own self-confidence. It's not our own self-belief. It's confidence in him. It's, it's his firm grip on us. We're hopeful because he's faithful. Hope is sustained and nurtured when we've seen God pull through again and again and again. You know, the more we experience his faithfulness, the easier it becomes to, to put our hope in him. 
And I know that is a lot more complicated than that. You know, life is complicated. But if, if you don't have your own stories, you know, ask other people in the room, other Christians, because they'll have stories of God's faithfulness. Look at the Bible. You know, it's page after page of God's faithfulness to his people. We're hopeful because he is faithful. And then just finally, the last exhortation that we'll look at in Hebrews chapter 10, this last statement of encouragement, this last statement that's meant to lift us out of the wreckage of our lives, these statements that are meant to give us comfort. So it's Hebrews chapter 10, and it's the last two verses, 24 and 25. It says this, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. And I don't know about you, but this last exhortation, it seems a bit naff compared to the other two. It's kind of like, let's just be nice and keep up our Sunday attendance. But actually, God's comfort to us is really rich in this exhortation. Because what it's doing is it's inviting us into a way of living, into a way of being as Christians. And that's to cheer one another on. You know, spur one another on towards living out love, doing good deeds, and being people of encouragement. And I love this idea of the church being a place which spurs one another on towards being a loving, being loving people. I don't know if you've ever seen parents watch their children run the 100 meters on sports day. I don't know, maybe you've been this parent. Uh, and you see the children lining up and then the whistle blasts and they just start sprinting. And you can see on the sidelines, these parents are just screaming their heads off. They're like, you can do it, keep going, you're almost there. And everyone's thinking, they're only in year six, just chill out. And... But what if we as a church here at Soul Survivor and Jesus Church, what if we stood on the sidelines of each other's lives and cheered one another on? You know, what if we spurred one another on towards love and good deeds and were people of encouragement? And what's interesting about this exhortation, this statement, is that the way that we encourage is by showing up. You know, it says this, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. That the, the way that we encourage is by showing up and showing up when it matters. And this isn't about policing attendance. It's not, it's not that at all, but it, it's an invitation to be a, an encouraging person. And, and what it means is that you actually matter. We all actually matter in the body of Christ that are showing up makes a difference, that we can make our lives count. And that can be really hard to kind of feel or experience in a big church where it's easy to go unnoticed, but it's the calling on Jesus' church the same, that we'd be people who show up and that we'd be people who encourage, spurring one another on towards love and good deeds. And so just to... To finish, really, before we pray and um, take communion, I wonder if we could just reflect briefly on what God's comfort to us or to you is this morning. Maybe it's just that simple uh, encouragement and comfort that you can draw near to God. Today, you can draw near to him. 
And maybe you've never done that before, but you can do it this morning. You can draw near to God because he's made a way for us that there's access to him because of what Jesus has done. And that as we draw near, as we stand in his presence in front of the King of Kings, that we can have confidence, the full assurance that faith brings. And what that does is life-changing. We can be confident before him. Or maybe it's just that summoning to hope. Let us hold unswervingly to hope. Knowing that the hope is Jesus. When we hold on to hope, we're actually holding on to Jesus. He is the hope, Jesus Christ. And knowing that as we hold on to him, that he's faithful. You know, the only reason we can hold on to him is because of his faithfulness. When we've seen him pull through again and again and again. Or maybe just lastly, it's that exhortation to be somebody who encourages somebody else, somebody who cheers one another on, stands on the sidelines of people's lives, as it were, and cheers them on. You know, run your race well, live it well, live out love, good deeds, cheer one another on. He is the God of all comfort, that's who he is. You know, he fights for us. He comes alongside us when we're weak and he strengthens us. He lifts us up. He says, stand with me and if you can't, then I'll carry you. That's his comfort to us. Amen.